Thank you for joining us today at Miniature Wargaming Labs. My name is James, and today I am joined by small American businessman Andrew from Fugar Design. How are you doing today, Andrew? Hi, Rod. Evening. How's it going? Ah, I think it's going well. Thanks for uh, making time. Right now, we're on two opposite coasts of the country using the magic of the uh, tubes of the internet to connect uh, our conversation here. Um, Now, the reason I contacted you is um, through your marketing, you know, it's set on Facebook and I look at pictures of miniatures all day and that's all that I allow in my Facebook feed. Um, And I saw every once in a while something you come up with, like flash by, like a building set in Normandy. You've got some ships out there that a lot of people don't make. But I knew I had to talk to you when I saw your submarine, your U-boat out yeah, there. So yeah. now, you know what? That is cool. That That's a statement piece on a table there uh, to have that sub pen. So that's why I brought you on. So why don't you tell me um, how you got started into miniature war gaming before we start talking about um, how you got started in the business side? Definitely. Yeah. No, I've been into miniatures or at least model making and painting for since I was six. My dad got me into it a long time ago. Um, and then, of course, he liked World War II. So then I was just building 135th scale World War II models, tanks, all kinds of things, ships like that. And, you know, through life, went to college and everything like that. The hobby came in and out, but uh, I was always, always enjoyed modeling and painting. And then eventually, um, about a few years back, about six years, I'd say, I got into the 15 millimeter tank game. I forgot which one it was called. Not not the World of Tanks, but the, the other one. Flames of War? No, okay. not Flames of War. Flames the of one War. That, okay. There's another one. Um, the Gear Force 9. Yeah, I forgot. Oh, and okay. I got okay. into that because it was just World War II tanks. And then I met some friends and some people. And eventually I was like, no, I'm not going to pay miniatures. I've seen bull action. I'm like, no, I'm not going to pay miniatures. I'm not going to pay many men. And uh, uh, one thing led to another, and here I am painting miniatures every day. <laughs> so, so what? Um, yeah, just meeting through people and just having a good time, and it was just a collection of hobbies for me, at least personally, because I liked World War II painting stuff. And one thing led to another. I just want to play with them, so sitting in front of a computer all day. Well, let me ask you: How did that turn into a business? And why, when you turn it into a business, you didn't decide to open a store? You know, I'm. I'm going to 3D print objects. What led to that leap there? That's a good one. That's a little, that's a little hard. So I, like I said before, I went to college and I got an architecture degree. So I've always been interested in 3D printing and 3D printing models. And um, that's always been like another secondary hobby. And well, I'm also an entrepreneur myself personally. So I already have run my own architecture business, but then, so I got into this hobby and I started spending too much money. So instead of, so spending too much money on it, why not turn it into a business and make money off of it? And one thing led to another. Um, I'm really good at shopping and I've learned through watching other people and products. I see where the niches are and the holes are at. So just like you mentioned before the submarine, I noticed nobody makes it. So I just went out, got a printer and started buying files and making them and painting them up. And here we are now starting to grow as we go. Well, that that's some of the other stuff I was looking at was um, you have some Pacific theater stuff. And so yes. you have amphibious landing craft for the Japanese. Now, yes. when most people yeah. do, yeah, most people do bolt action. They think of like, well, what's all the different U.S. Marine Corps craft or U.S. Army craft I can do? No one yep. focuses on like an earlier war Japanese landing craft. 
Yeah, that's a lot of the version one rule books and stuff like that. I, I play with the local club here in San Diego, so we go through the campaign book quite often. And we've been playing for a few years now as well. And so that's also what helped motivate this and pushed us was that, you know, we're playing campaign books. And then in the early war, right, Japan invaded China and all the other places down. So we needed landing craft. And <laughs> one thing led to another. And here we are. So this started off as like, OK, I I think I've heard that story before. Like I'm playing this ha hobby. I need this hobby to like at least subsidize itself. And oh, by the way, I need this niche right. stuff like did you ever have that point of when you got a 3D printer? I because my wife does a 3D. She has two FDMs, and I think she got rid of one of the resin. She's down to one resin printer yeah. now. But it's like um, you've reached that point of where people go to Kickstarter and buy stuff and come to you and it's like, "Hey, I've got some files. Can you We're print these for me?" We are, we can, we have with other people and, you know, we try, we do our best. We own most of the files. So people ask us first, but not really do people buy files, right? Cause it, just like you said, you're going to want to own the 3d printer before you buy the file, right? It's just a tool needed for it. So, um, but every once in a while, like most people reach out to us and say they don't have a 3d printer in order they want a hobby in it. Cause it's, it's uh, 3d printer is a hobbyist tool. That ain't no joke. Yeah. Well, that I had to walk away from that because it's like, you spend as much time babying the printer. So it's like, yeah. I can always see no matter how much STL files take off, there will always be a need for someone to actually just make a product for you. So exactly. Just, and here's my money. Give it to me. Exactly. Right. And it's a combination of things. How much is your time worth and how much effort you willing to put into it? Let's just say you wanted to make the department store installing rat. You can easily get the file, but how long is that going to take you and your printer? How much material? And so that's where we, I've noticed it. And that's where I came in niche and I'm running 12, 15 machines right now. So I know everything about maintenance in these bad boys, man. Woo. Talk about headaches. <laughs> well, you know, I, I saw some of your Stalingrad stuff and it just looked huge. Yeah. How big is that building? Which one? The tractor factory? Yeah. How big is that like, one? Because you had tractor factory feet. and you have some like, you think you said department store. And I believe, don't you also have Pavlov's house? Like actual we full scale? Sold, yeah. We just sold Pavlov's house this week, which is amazing. Um, yeah. We just sold it this week. Pavlov's is about 30 inches, 36 inches long. And um, it's a big building, four stories, right? And then I had more fun with that tractor factory. I'm sure that you saw that one. It's a four foot long building. And yeah, no, the, some of these files are massive, right? So if you're just one man, one printer, it eats up a lot of time and material. But for us, it's just another building. Well, I think that's the issue. Someone came to me and like, hey, can you print this for me? I'll, I'll pay it for it. And it wasn't so much the amount of money it costs. It was the amount of time it would take yes. to physically print as many of the same object over and over. And it's like, I could print mm -hmm. one and make a mold. So <laughs> is there, have you ever, why the 3D printing and not like the mold mating? Why not like a SIO cast machine or a spin cast machine? What's the attraction to 3D printing? Um, the versatility, honestly, right? Once you make a mold, you're stuck to that mold. It's also, I would like to say it's like more analog. It's ancient technology now. <laughs> Uh, compared to 3D printers, which are super, like I was just saying right now, they're super versatile and as well, they're super affordable. Before they used to be so much more DIY, but they've now gone to a point where they're pretty standardized. They use the same motors and the same thing. Really, you're just buying a new OS to uh, and play with it, an interface. But um, And as well, the materials are dropping down 
dramatically too. I mean, a reel, I can bust out an entire building, like buildings with one reel. So the, the time, like if you run the printers 24 seven in an office, like I do, and just run them in the background, time really isn't an issue without as many as I have. And so now it's just about producing quality, right? Just like you're saying, if you just produce for one friend and there's one thing, like every time you fail, what are you going to do with it? And for us, we have like, you know, recycling options and other things that we can do. And yeah, so we try to maximize everything. It's, we chose 3D printers again, because it's just the most universal. It's just the easiest and efficient for what it is. Because you can't really cast giant brick buildings easily. Unless you wanted to build them from scratch or Sarasand, right? And those are just, uh, there's no texture in them. So um, I know some of your products are um, FDM printers and some are resin. How do you yes. decide what you print with what? How do you make that choice there? It's all about the, the how small you want your item and the deep amount of detail. And so we've learned that we are only printing tanks and infantry, small items, rubble, really small, like, you know, obstacles and things like that with resin. It's just easier with us and easier to get the finer details and everything like that. Um, and then anything that's too big or massive, it's straight to the FDM. <laughs> okay. So it's basically, so like your, cause I noticed like your ships are like some of the landing ships, you probably could do get away. Maybe not like the machine gun on the um, Japanese landing craft, but you could probably get away with an FDM, but you went with a resin option on that. Yeah. Was that at that tipping point of trying to decide how am I yeah. going to do this one? Yeah. It, it, like we have the smaller resin beds. And so we, it just happened to fit on there as compared to the Japanese ones. They're just slightly too big once we scaled them up. And so they didn't quite fit on there. Otherwise we would have gone probably resin Japanese handicraft as well. Um, yeah, no, that was just one of those split decisions. It's really hard to say. It was just, we wanted a better looking, you know, landing craft and the FDM just wasn't doing it for us at the time of the moment. Mass produced a bunch of resin ones out. But that's like right at the cusp too. That's like right about the limit. <laughs> I, I have to ask, what does it sound like in there when you have like 15 machines going like, is it like a low hum? Yeah. You have, you're, you're and protection. It's <laughs> and it's like... really hot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's okay. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, each printer runs uh, runs PLA at like 150 Celsius. And so when you have 15 of them in a room, that's only 1,200 square feet or, or 800 square feet. It gets nice and toasty in here. It's an average of 90 degrees inside this place. <laughs> so it's uh, it's warm. It's good for the printers. and It's good for the PLA. It's not an issue. And um, yeah, no, it's not. It's as if running a regular, I don't know how explain it. it's like running a regular machine as if you worked in a machine shop uh, where fans are just running in the background it's just kind of like that and then yeah they make noises and you know zips and zaps and um stalls and stuff like that you kind of learn what those noises are to oh that's the wrong noise <laughs> and other ones you just ignore and just kind of it fades into the background it it doesn't make a sound like do 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 like oh no it failed no no no, it does. It does. When it overheats, it goes beep, 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 beep. Uh, and you're like, oh, it's dying. Run. <laughs> can you always tell which one it is? Like if you have 15 of yeah, them? Yeah, we, we've seen them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we keep track of it. We have a good maintenance log on ourselves on our back end. So we know when it's like acting up. It's like, okay, this one's on its dying leg. So watch out. And then we just keep a closer eye on it. Just wait till they die. Okay. Now, this is my wife wants me to ask this question. So you're running a bunch of machines in a farm. 
because she bought multiple machines, but you have them on the same table. And when like they move around, they um, shake each other. They all shake each other. Yep. Yeah. How do you deal with that? So our solution to that, sorry, I know. Our solution to that was that we, we bought some heavy duty uh, uh, shelving like uh, from Home Depot and stuff like that. Some of the bigger heavy duty stuff and that helped reduce it because they're not that strong. It's just, if you have too wiggly of a table, yes. And then on top of that, we used yoga mats underneath. We just cut up yoga mats and put oh. underneath. It's super absorbent. <laughs> so that, okay. So you use the mo- yoga mats as like spring shocks. Yep. Oh, okay. And you put the machines on it. It's super flexible, right? And go, you just go buy another $20 yoga mat from Amazon. Tear it up. And then, I, yeah. And then heavy duty um, shelving. That's clever. I don't, that's, a, that's an interesting solution right there. Like, okay. Now, since you're running print farms, do you have like, do you do the sculpts yourself? Do you have an in-house sculptor or do you outsource the sculpting? How do you handle, because we've talked about the manufacturing side. How do you handle like the creation of the STCs? How do you do that side? Well, well, personally, I've just been buying STL files lately um, from a lot of the, from Kickstarters and a lot of big other people. Um, we're just going through and printing that. Um, just because, as we mentioned earlier, there's massive gaps within the, let's say, World War II scene or 28 millimeter scene of terrain. There's only like two places you can really buy it. And the only other way to get it is through these STL files. So I just started collecting STL files and, and printing them out that way because it just makes it easier and faster. Um, we don't have an internal sculptor right now. Um, we're not focusing on miniatures and we're not focusing on tanks. We've seen that the market's super flooded with that. And as well, that would put us in direct competition with Warlord. And we don't want to be in direct competition with them. We want to be a, a similar or a, a, a compare. We want to be very, we want to be aligned with them, not a, a complimentary bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't want to be against them, right? And so with that idea, right, the terrain goes hand in hand with them. And we just been, like I said, buying STL files and looking around and just printing them out as much as we can. Okay. Now I noticed some of your options on your web store. So I guess people type in FUBAR design, they'll find your um, web presence there. Some of your stuff is painted and some of it is unpainted. Who handles yes. the painting? I personally, we all do. So it's hard to say because everything gets processed is the way I say it. And so uh, my partner, Jonathan, he may like base them and get the colors on the, on the buildings going and maybe do some slight detailing on it, like just some touch-ups. And then I will may come in and just do up the final touch-ups, clean it up, put the details in there, start adding rubble and things like that. Um, the painting is kind of a combination of both, but then the final detailing is, ends up coming to me. And we kind of share the work that way. Why, why the option to do that? Because that seems like a very labor-intensive process. Because I'm thinking there used to be a show called like Making Monsters and it's like the guy who makes the Shocktronics for like haunted houses. Yes. And like he makes like 200 scary clowns <laughs> jumping out of a box and he takes one day and he sits with an airbrush and he goes around, okay, right eye, right eye, right eye. <laughs> then goes back, left eye, like 200 times. Yeah. So it's like... That's got to be like, do you throw in earbuds and like zone out and like, cause that's yep. soul yeah, crushing. That's, yeah, no, it, it isn't. It isn't. It's also uh, therapeutic to me at least. Right. Um, 
with my other job, I get super stressed out and I get, you know, um, complained a lot at, and there's a lot of fighting going on. I'm a part-time lawyer as an architect. It's kind of interesting. Um, <laughs> and so, right. When, when you come here to come paint, you just put on headphones and nobody says anything to you. And so you're like, Oh, if I wanted to paint this green, guess what? It's green now. <laughs> and so it's actually super therapeutic. You know, you just put on a documentary and you just disappear. It's great. Um, yes, it is very labor intensive, but that's only because of Yes and no. We learn to expedite our process to a small degree. And if we want to get detailed buildings, which some are, we it does take up more time, which is why they have a there's a huge price jump from like some basic buildings to all of a sudden the more detailed ones. And that's because, yeah, it takes up more time and we just put more effort into it. I sell both painted and unpainted because um, as we print out every once in a while, it lifts off the build plate and then you have an unperfect print. It's an error but it's a waste to just turn it off and stop it. So we let them finish them out and we collect them and everything that's an error, we paint up because it looks way better and anything that's perfect gets sold as unpainted. Oh, okay. That's a clever way to do it. So that way we um, don't really lose anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, cause I think anyone who's done a 3d printing, especially like FDM, you eventually are going to get that Lift, lift up in the corner error. who knows this pla snaps all kinds of weird things happen i i've walked in that room sometimes and there's like a ball of white cloud like <laughs> cotton candy just hanging from the head and the head's just like the running around nest. in circles <laughs> yeah bird's nest that's a good way to put it <laughs> yeah yeah the bird's nest Oh man, it's so it's so that's that's soul crushing right there. You're like, no, you're just not you're just not smart enough to know to stop. <laughs> Can't you tell what no. you're doing? <laughs> yeah, you're beating yourself up. <laughs> but yeah, no, but that happens every so often. Um, but we do this, like I said, we run our printers 24-7 practically. And so we've gotten skilled enough that they don't do it as often. It happens every so often. But not, not enough to where we're like, or like in trouble. <laughs> okay, so looking at how you started and you started rolling out like new lines. Um, so on the STL files, you go around, and I've done this too before. I stay on Kickstarter; they have that merchant license. Like, okay, well, yes, you stay yes. on Kickstarter long enough, you'll buy enough merchant license. Um, have you ever thought about? expanding outwards like um because i notice you have tanks little um scatter terrain and the big buildings okay any thought to like doing the mouse pad mats um yes actually becoming like a warlord's distributor like um for san diego like having your own retail space so is there any ideas because you're doing more like the manufacturing back house operations. Have you ever thought about going front of the house and also going wider horizontally in your business lines? Yes. Um, currently, yeah, we have a few plans lined out, actually. Um, so technically, if you reach out to us, we're still a storefront. So you could come up to us and come to our store and check us out if you wanted to. Um, but, we, you know, we're just inside an office building buried. So you just have to reach out to us first. And... Um, yeah, no, we do plan on expanding our products. And so the way we plan our prints is just based off our club. Our club runs campaigns. And so whatever the next campaign is, is the next series of prints that are coming out. <laughs> so it's really convenient. Okay. And then we plan on, yeah, 
that's just this is what it's gonna be. You know, it's fun. Oh, okay, way. so you, um, okay, I can see what you're doing. You're matching up with the um, starter boxes, like nor um, that too. That's next. We're about okay. to order Willard pucks and expand into the starter boxes. So we, for example, we just finished the Atlantic Wall set, and we know a long time ago they came out with a lot of Atlantic Wall starter set, but they never came out with the walls, and no one makes the walls for those. We're gonna be one of the first ones on the market, apparently. <laughs> so that's what we're gonna do okay because your terrain options they make sense when you think about the starter boxes because you have um pacific box the atlantic wall and then the eastern front so does that mean like desert gentlemen's war the desert war in north africa is coming up you're going to be doing stuff for that yeah yeah we we, we well since in the middle of it we kind of skipped over it so that way we can catch on to the next league which we know oh, they're going to okay, do case okay. blue next yeah we're they're already in it right so it's so hard to break into italy north africa right now because everyone's on top of it so we're just trying to get to the next campaign series that they're opening up with and you know jump the jump the gun since we only started this year. Well, I mean, I can understand because how many uh you do have the unfortunate part that he did film in Northern Africa. So that yeah. Java house for your Star Wars yeah. Legion terrain is actually good for bolt action. You know, just take off some antennas and <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's another that's another thing too that just happens that uh North Africa, Italy looking buildings like that are kind of easier to make and there's already a couple of people out there doing it so we don't want to step on their feet right now we're not big enough and okay. i know they're they already make a really good quality building so i'm not why not venture into the areas that they can't get into giant giant buildings <laughs> <laughs> the city centers and such so yeah uh because that i have to admit that does seem to be your focus because everyone seems to buy like when people do pavlov's house and i know like um whenever they write it up it's like well this isn't actually pavlov's house in true scale this is a notional for the scenario but you actually said you know what i want pavlov's yes. house <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do one for one this is where yeah. pavlov's house. <laughs> yeah uh like i said i'm an architect so i know what true scale is and so i'm like oh no we're pretty true scale like it's fun and it's massive it, it is a big building it's a centerpiece in itself so and like just like you mentioned, we noticed a couple of the manufacturers. They only produce in one seventy second. The other two big manufacturers only produce one seventy second, which isn't even our scale. So, we're the only ones really producing in our scale. I I have do have that problem, especially when they don't really talk about it. Because I have a lot of people yes. that think one seventy second is good for twenty eight mil, and then you try to mix that stuff in the one fifty six, and which is twenty eight, which is closer and like. Then you actually start lining it up on the board, and I, I've got like three different scales of Humvee. And it's like, I wish someone would have a standard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, um, we don't have like an IEEE or uh, <laughs> to set like an internet, an ISO standard for 28 millimeter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I know because. I use a lot of 148 smaller vehicles, like to me is like Jeeps and things like that, because when you put the men in them, they actually fit. The rest of the Warlord one's like half the size. It's like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> well, you but know, you know it's all preference. I've <laughs> been in some of those vehicles. They are tiny. You know, people were smaller back but then, I guess. <laughs> I guess. They're not that tiny though. Like a Jeep's still the size of Corolla. Not that tiny. <laughs> but it's small. Don't get me wrong. It's a small car. It's a small Jeep, but not... Not what warlord makes it out to all right so we got a little off track there so you have plans going into the future so you technically have a storefront you've got you're yes. following some of the starter boxes so what's like the five-year plan in five years where do you want to where do you want to be well we are 
currently working on our five-year plan. Um, the immediate one is just to become more known for hosting, um, BA tournaments and things like that, but as well making uh, complete boards and even custom boards. And so we're trying to team up with Cigar Maps and with our printed terrain that's painted, we want to make complete battle board maps, both for clubs, tournaments, and your own personal use. Oh, okay, so I could buy a cigar mat from you and then buy the buildings that actually match up with that map so I can actually build like a block. We're just going to sell the whole bundle together. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. The whole map will come done. And we plan on both selling it unpainted and painted, of course. Um, so that way, if you want to make it more custom or build your own, you totally could. But the more, we're, I think we'd want to focus more on themed painted bundles. So Stalingrad center of Stalingrad or something like that or the rice stack that's is on our yeah. list that's down the road but you know that's one building it's just the rice stack <laughs> <laughs> i have to admit i'm i'm waiting for the battle of manila you know the Stalingrad of the east there so. yeah we have files for it it's just we're going to circle back to that one <laughs> that right. one. Yeah. well you know no warlord doesn't they Doesn't mention it. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like one scenario. It's what in, in Empire of Flames it's mentioned, right? It's like, oh yeah, by the way. We just finished Empire of Flames with our own club. So yeah, yeah. It's like it's like one or two scenarios. By the way, they touched him in Lena and then they left. <laughs> <laughs> I won't get into that one. I, I've talked to John Russell about like, mm -hmm. you know, why don't there seems to be there certain is... parts. It's like we keep replaying like the same four things over and over again um yeah yeah no and i, I kind of see it what they're doing they're just busy it's okay there's plenty of things going on in the war that they have plenty of time <laughs> well, you know what it opens it up for you doesn't it like if yeah if they're focused on the same four things there's people like me who don't so there's companies like you yes. that respond to people like me it's like you know what i don't want to do exactly. stalingrad again can i <laughs> can i do the yugoslavia right yeah yeah no, uh, like, yeah, I'm Russian, so our, our, my main base player for ball action. So, yeah, I try to always force this into the East and play a lot of more East than we do anywhere else. But, yeah, I totally understand. So, since you respond to the club, I noticed that um, I liked your page on Facebook. So, I found Fubar Design. I follow it. And then I started getting, like, these um, push pushes from Facebook on um, bolt action tournaments in San Diego. So is that your club? Yes. Do you host that tournament? We're just kind of aligning with this so we can see if we can get more people in San Diego to join our club to play with us more often. But really, Fubar is hosting that, right? It's kind of hard. It's, it's transition since we're both in both of them, right? We both kind of own them. Um, but yeah, we are trying to push out more with Fubar um, because, of course, as advertising with Fubar, like, come check out our games. Here's how we play our games. We're in the we're in it. We play it quite often. We're enthusiastic, so we know exactly what you're looking for, how you want your terrain, and as well, like you know, these are battle tested boards. We play them ourselves. So that's a good question. Since you're buying the files from like other merchants out there, and you get the merchant license, you produce it. Have you ever run into a situation of where you buy the files, you print a bunch of them off, you take them to the tournament, battle test them with players, and like. The buildings are just like not good. Like people, we we do the yeah. You stress, you know, it's a stress test on the building. You get the field tested out there. We do everything internal with our club. So our clubs are first, our first line, and we get to beat it up personally and play with our club and throw it around. And 
so we know which ones to keep which ones to like oh this ain't gonna work out and like we don't like this and we're never touching this building again and <laughs> things like that <laughs> well i was thinking like so the like if i got the giant stalingrad like four-story building out there um one thing i didn't i don't know can you lift the levels off like um yes. pick them up and like reach into so that's always my concern is like the more interactive the player can get with it you're always waiting for like that user error of like they put it on and it's like oh this stupid thing doesn't fit it's not my fault for lining it up <laughs> wrong it must be and they like yeah. push and like snap stuff do you run into that or like yeah we do personally um since so we kind of kind of watch out for it what we've done is that we personally so i mean if you bought it from us raw it just comes wrong just you know straight fdm and then it's up to you to paint it and we do the same thing but we're, we're going to come out with a short video series about this but surely we're just we just deck them out we just put flat magnets and things like that so we know where things align and it snaps together okay so you don't worry magnets. that's definitely an issue okay. yeah and we I know we sometimes just, the pegs can snap off like with stress don't even bother with pegs if you do if you're getting your i'm just sand them off next <laughs> okay <laughs> so. <laughs> it's so hard with pegs because you never get them thick enough with the fdm unless you make it like 100 fill Otherwise, they're just going to snap off because they're usually too, too tiny. Um, magnets just work and obviously work better. just snaps right in. Okay. Well, that's my concern. Even because if, if you had delicate pegs and someone's in like a rush and not paying attention, it's going to snap off over time. Exactly. And it's a miniatures game, right? You're playing with it all the time. People aren't necessarily careful. People with big hands are just clumsy and it's okay. But it happens. And so it's best to make more durable product than it is sensitive product so okay. delicate like you're saying okay because they're because you don't have any of the uh metal 3d printers yet so no no those are a little a little outside our price range right now. well i believe there's some up in uh, pasadena by jpl uh, make really? like nasa rocket parts there yeah so, yeah yeah, I... yeah you can hey can i borrow this i need some terrain yeah, exactly. I've known some people who are creating like even a carbon fiber 3D printer and things like that. And so they're working with like uh, some major, some major engineer companies and stuff like that to make it happen. It's not, it ain't no joke. <laughs> That's a real machine. So you say you're located in San Diego. Is that San Diego proper or are you like Oceanside, Carlsbad? Um, where are you actually, like if I wanted to stop by because... No, I grew up in San Diego, in so I'm, I'm trying to envision where you yeah. guys are. No, we're in downtown. Oh, we're you're downtown. Jay, right in the middle of downtown. Can't get any more proper. <laughs> okay. And uh, I kind of chose this. Yeah, I kind of chose this location because it's, it's really close to my house. I live down the street, like not even half a mile. Um, but the main thing was that we're above an architecture school, and architecture school doesn't have enough 3D printers. And, you know, not to make this our only source of revenue, I like to diversify as a business owner. So, we also rent our printers out to the students downstairs and that helps supplement it. And then we just get a lot of fun prints as well to do things. So we'll be, that's really, that's a really clever idea is like, it's really convenient line. for them and us. <laughs> yeah. That's a, you know, that, that's a good marriage of uh, aligned purposes there. Yeah. Do they Yeah, ever... we need to. Yeah. It's fun. And, uh, and again, like I said, as an architecture student, so I exactly know what they're, problems are and the stresses and stripes they go through and so um we're expanding it slowly but you know we're trying to get more and more known at the school which is again right below us and, um 
just another source of revenue, just like we do with other commissions, the same ideas. They just come to us with their files done and rent our printers. There, there's no way you can influence the curriculum. Say, hey, I need uh, Shanghai Foreign Zone 1939. Yeah. Go. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Not yet, at least. I want to hire some of them to paint some of our buildings. <laughs> our techs make great painters. <laughs> Students are at least right, but uh, in time, in time. So, has there ever been a thought since you've gone with 3D printers? The other what big competitor on the train side is MDF like getting the laser and doing the MDF tables. Um, yes. Has there ever been a thought about doing that? That's who our number one fight is. And we don't really consider them a competition because MDF is just a joke for buildings. They're way more absorbent. Like they just break easily. Break Like we can literally drop our buildings on the ground and they won't break. Really? Don't get any shattering? You know? If you drop it hard enough, yes. You drop it okay. enough, okay. of course, right? But, you know, from table height, if you just haven't knocked it over, like you're they're pretty square, most of them. Of course, you're going to break fragile parts, the more square ones, right? You run a bigger risk with MDF buildings like that. <laughs> okay. So um, we also own a laser cutter ourselves. Um, and so I know, and I've played with them all the time. Ours is just happens to be down right now, but we don't want to even touch it for buildings. The, the texturing that we get, the thickness of the walls, the scale, there's no assembly. We go straight to painting. There's just too many pros compared to laser cutting. Okay, because what is really hard to find too right now? It's really expensive. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get. I guess that is the. Um, I mean, that's what happened to foreground. They had to step back from that. So you, because I think the trade-off always is from like your business side. There is three D buildings. Like if you shift it, the package is bigger, but the weight is lighter on it. But MDF, you can flat pack you really don't have to pad it out. It just goes as it is smaller, but it's, uh, it's literally shipping a block of wood through the mail service. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> you can get away with it. Um, yeah, no, we, we're running into that issue currently. Luckily we don't sell too many big buildings. So everything fits within a modest package size. So we're able to keep shipping down, um, which is part of the reason why if you see some of those larger buildings, they probably cost a little bit more. It's because we just are covering the shipping costs for a bigger box. Um, there's no right answer to that one. Shipping just is just horrible. Okay. Please pick it up. <laughs> well, Please come visit us and pick it up. <laughs> you know, that's why I asked where you were, because yeah. that leads to the next question. Because I have gone to like um, places like Nova Open, and I remember even since uh, 2018, the 2017 and after shows, you started seeing 3D printers there, and not so much bringing their wares, but saying, "Hey, we can do this if you order from us." But I know for a lot of small vendors, it'll also be like, hey, do you not want to pay shipping? We'll be at this convention. We'll have your stuff waiting for you. You know, pay us now, meet us there. You don't have to pay shipping. Um, so are, are yes. you tapping into the convention scene? Because um, I don't even know what the convention scene is, you know, west of the, uh, <laughs> west of the we, mountains. We are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, they didn't speak it up there. Yeah, we are. It's just America's a little too big, right? And I've seen that in England, and that's totally plausible in England, right? I mean, it can't be any more than six to eight hours to get across, so 12 maybe max. Uh, what does 12 hours get you to the next state in America? Like, <laughs> hey, you know, I, so yeah. <laughs> I've watched a lot of British television, and they talk about, oh, I have to go to that city. It's like, you know, that's my daily commute. <laughs> 
And it was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I drive four hours just for fun. Yeah. Like, hey, <laughs> you know what? Let's go get apples and Julian. Yay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, we are still, since we're still relatively new, we are breaking into the scene. Um, we're going to be hosting the SoCal Open this October here at, in Del Mar, which is part of Frontline Games. They do things like Las Vegas Sobing and a couple other ones on the east side. So we're pretty stoked about that. We will, we do offer that and we can offer that. But yeah, America's just too big. It's just, just we have to ship it. There's just no way around it. Okay. Because I know for some companies, they like, they draw a line, like a little sphere around yeah. them and say nothing outside. It's 48. Nothing outside the 48 gets it. <laughs> well, I meant from the, the driving side, because it's like, okay, I get my Ford F-150, my towable, I load it full of stuff. I went for a big order that big. Yeah, I will drive next day if I get an order that big. I have to fill up a trailer. Um, no, yeah, I'll do local. I have it for local deliveries. I'll go up to like 20 miles within our county and such like that. But again, I, we're reaching out. We already have everybody who Everybody knows our club who's within the county. So everybody who buys from us is outside our county. Um, the only thing we have going good for us is that we're at a central hub, right in the middle of downtown San Diego. We're at the main hub of San Diego County. So our product goes in the mail and it's gone next day. You're one of the major distribution points with the airport there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. We're, at, we're, at, we're like literally two blocks from one of the main distribution in San Diego. So yeah. Um, as soon as we drop it off, it's literally the bell trucks in the back. I see them all the time. They just, they're gone next day. They're within an hour, probably. Yeah, Albuquerque is a geographical oddity. It's kind of like a side spur of like the mailing system. Yeah. So it, it always has to go somewhere else before it even touches like the main lines. Exactly. But that was just like a happy accident for your company, right? Yeah. Well, not yeah, like you cited it. Like... It's there, but yeah, that was part of this. No, 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 that wasn't our main decision. Next I, I, to know, the office. <laughs> I, I know some companies like, well, let's get cited in like Texas or Tennessee. There's like this, what, where the UPS and FedEx hubs line up with the U, uh, USPS hubs. And it's like, no, I live in San Diego. Just happy accident that there's good mail <laughs> yeah, yeah. distribution. <laughs> yeah, just happened to be right here right in downtown. Um, yeah, no, I, I, and I see that. And I, as a business standpoint, I guess it depends on your location and where you choose. Like I said earlier, I chose this location because of the school and to expand off that while doing our own hobby as well, right? So it's just not just, it's not just one source. And then everything else has just kind of been, been a plus thus far. Um, the sun and the mail and the location and everything else. So, and, uh, you know, I love the idea of selling the cigar mat and the battle bundle like terrain there i could see people who want to run clubs or big tournament games doing that but it's always the price of entry like especially like one shots it's like do we really yes. want to plus out 20 tables for a one shot thing considering most entry fees there's that balance there um so that that's why i want to talk to you it's such an yeah. interesting like, <laughs> yeah you know, Harvard Business School problem. Like, let's, how do you work yeah. through the issues of how do you grow and can you grow past a certain point just given the limitations of physics, of like time and space? No, we've had very, let's say, business philosophical questions about that. Me, my other partner, and uh, we have two partners, uh, Maria um, and Jonathan, and they both helped me out. We've had deep 
not like deep, but we've had some really good philosophical questions about that. Like one, how far do you think we can make it? What, why is this? Why are we doing this now? Why has no one done it before? And you know, what is that price limit that someone's willing to spend? And there's a couple answers there. One, this is America. It's fucking people love spending money. This is the easiest place to spend money. I can't believe how much like people just spend money on anything. Pet rocks were a big success. Like, <laughs> so any so really products doesn't matter. It's about marketing and and how much does the person really want it. And we like like you mentioned earlier in the, in the interview, right? We sell a product that people are going to need. Warlord and other game manufacturers don't sell terrain for their games. You're going to have to buy terrain. There's just no way around it whether it's from your two people as friends all the way up to clubs of 30, 40 people, you're going to have to have terrain to play this game. And so we're not in direct competition, of course, with the games, but we are the supplement. We are the additional terrain. So we're going to hopefully catch the ride in the wave with them. So that was another reasoning behind it and thinking. And then, you know, of course, the final point is the price point. It's not going to be cheap, but this alludes to everything that we just talked about. How much time and effort do you want to put into painting it, designing it, buying the printer, buying the files, painting all those files, printing it all up, getting it all put together, buying the cigar maps? How long is that? How much time is that worth? And is, there, is it worth your time? You get paid $10 an hour and say I charge 1200 bucks. Are you going to get done in 120 hours in less than a month to print an entire board painted, fully detailed? And so we... If you think of it like that on what your time is worth hourly, because that's just how America thinks, then it totally outweighs the cost by landslides, by landslides. And, you know, it's just, that's kind of how, how I justify a lot of my purchases. <laughs> <laughs> What's my time worth and how much more money can I make doing something else? I, I spent a lot of time trying to explain that to my family. So why don't you do this? Do you know what my billable hours are? Why would I ever? <laughs> yes. I always lose that argument. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm not coming over today. <laughs> yeah. It never works. <laughs> yeah. I... Well, and it's hard, right? If you are an employer, if you work for the government, it's harder. It's harder to sell that. The harder to sell that argument, um, right? Because you're getting paid that. And since I'm self-employed and entrepreneur, and I run this like my second business. I have to think that way because my time, I need to split my time. And so I personally have to think that way and then allocate my time appropriately to maximize its worth. Otherwise I'm just spinning my wheel. Yeah. What's that? Uh, I've heard a lot of entrepreneurs say, what's the point? I might as well be flipping hamburgers. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let me ask you something. Since you actually lived the life, what do you think of like, companies like war machine of where they've redone it and gone to like regional regional print farms like in each of their um planetary market there because that's like a first yeah because people do, have done that in yeah the publishing the print on demand publishing or like uh, t-shirt yes. manufacturing but to actually see that of 3d printing evolving to the point of being like outsourcing your 3d printing like taking the quality control out of your hand and relying on partners to do that um kind of like what the architectural school is doing with you i mean it's only you know 20 feet that they're outsourcing their print farm needs but you know there could be a day where someone in um silicon valley san fernando valley says hey i need something 3d printed 
at a high quality, I'll just farm it out to them and to like fire and forget. I'm, I'm yeah. not concerned. What, what's your thoughts on that? of a company actually relying to that level because miniature people are very unforgiving. Like yes, one, <laughs> one, one mistake on quality. That's why Games Workshop recovered from the fail cast incident, but mm-hmm. they took a big hit on just a, attacking the very fundamentals of the materials they work with. So mm-hmm. what, what's your thought on that? I like, I, I know exactly like Battletech is another one too, right? And I like that. I'm very happy that they succeeded. It just proves that the model can be done of a small 3d print farm business able to sustain itself even through a game which is kind of amazing off of tabletop game to me that's like astonishing and all it is it's a proven model which gives me more motivation to just keep at this right because of course there's always ups and downs and struggles and you know just to see them do it and it's happening makes me realize that this is very plausible here in america so i I keep at it that way um and then for the quality question there's for 3d print farms i know that there's different levels and there's different types of machines just like we've mentioned and so right if someone wants to drop ten thousand dollars on a 3d print they're going to go find that person who charges them ten thousand dollars they're going to see the giant machine and there's a huge shop and there's a whole other level up we provide more of the i think the more i look at is it's the lower quality prints yes it's more like comparatively to like the HPS prints and like carbon fiber prints and things like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, We're definitely like, we're just more of the affordable range. And I know that, and I kind of picked that because I don't have what the right answer to say that one is other than like, it's our, it's our field for miniature gaming. We don't need cement made buildings. We don't need high quality looking buildings. We just need enough to, to surreal our eyes which isn't very hard to trick a couple layers of paint and these PLA buildings turn to super realistic photo guaranteed, you know, so it's uh photorealistic. But it's not, we've learned of what like that level is. You can kind of look at it as like the minimum. We stay above that. We, we're not at the minimum, but we maximize what that level is uh, of quality versus quality versus like quality. <laughs> well, I, I didn't know if you ever, <laughs> If you thought of 3D, you could see, you know, a hypothesis you could test out there is that someday 3D printing will be like food co-packing of like going to food co-packers and saying, hey, I need this because that would combine like War Games Vault's print on demand where they use printers in different parts of the world and, you know, food co-packing, there's co-packers all over the country, all over the world that will take formulas put it in put product out and they'll work regionally so that does open the potential that 3d print farms will be like first entry into market you'll be the print farm for southern california there that's what i'm kind of hoping i know there's other people around of course there's other like diy shops around that can do such capacities so yeah we're becoming niche and specialized and i understand i think i understand what you're saying um right yes and I do want to become that regional person that you reach out to to do 3D prints, but on the personal level or maybe small buildings, miniatures, tabletops, things like that, uh, just to help supplement it while we have our main line of printing buildings and such like that for miniatures. Um, 
Yes. <laughs> okay. Like, you <laughs> yeah, know, I, I think we started. Question, yes. We started. <laughs> I don't know. That might. We'll have to save that one for the ten minute TED talk on the. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you come back to me. Uh, 3D printing for games. Uh, I have a better answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the answer is yes. In short, I, I know. Yeah, I know you're asking. It's just really hard to answer that. Okay. Um. So, senior project. You you've got the best way I can describe it. A lot of the stuff you make is different and niche from what other people do so people make a pavlov's house but yours is the statement piece like it's a sign that i don't care about how much space pavlov's house takes up in reality i'm gonna have it i'm gonna have a real u-boat i'm gonna have a real landing craft so it's the statement piece right there so how can yes. people find you in your statement pieces where are you on the interwebs the socials the metaverse how can people find you we are across almost all the social media sites. We have a Twitch, we have a Gram, Facebook, uh, we're on Shopify, we have YouTubes. Um, we're coming out with all kinds of box opening videos on YouTube. We're across most of the sites. Right? I don't think we have a tweeter yet, a Twitch, or we don't have a tweet yet. Um, and so if you ever wanted to reach out to us or any through any of those social media platforms, um, it's the best way. And we're, we're consistently watching it like a hawk right now. So. <laughs> Yeah, you got to send one message and we'll see it. Um, as well, we're all pretty active too. Um, I'm constantly on Facebook and Instagram myself or on eBay searching for deals. And so you'll see me or see us every so often commenting on people's things, whether it's really, like really good, uh, nice paint job, or even following up with some of our other pictures if we can find them um, as well with other products. You know, a lot of people make comments on like the Facebook groups, like, oh, I don't know where I can find this or I don't like that. And so we do specialized marketing just go and try to shark them. <laughs> well, so do you ever use, do you actually ever leverage the feedback from your social media platforms to actually inform future product lines? Is there ever like, gosh, so many people want this and they're right. You just can't find it. Yes. Yes. And no. So yes, people have already reached out to us to do some custom lines or custom products, see if we do some other things. And so, yes, we will, we can, on a case by case, but I'm, we're really just following our club's interest and wherever campaign our club does next is the next series of buildings that are going to be coming out. Um, we just found that that's the easiest way instead of trying to ask people, um, at least now we have a goal and a reason, right? And so if you follow along with us too on our club pages, it's pretty fun and you can see all the terrain come out before it actually gets released on our pages. And we just say, you know, test play it and then move it online, move it on down the line. Well, the reason I bring that up is right now you're World War II focused and I could yeah. see, so Vietnam's gotten really hot right now. Um, uh, cyberpunk game after game yeah. has been coming out for that. Has everyone come since you're so focused on your club? What about moving horizontally out there? Like people come to you and say, Hey, you're, you're local to me in San Diego, but I don't play World War II bolt action. I want to play World War I, Blood and Valor. Um, I want to play Bohica. I want to play in Vietnam. Do you see yourself moving laterally, or is it very focused on to like those big mainline games? Because there's a lot of yes. little games that put you cyberpunk terrain. There's no yes. one giant warlord games of cyberpunk. So would you stay away from that and focus on, okay, World War II, 28 millimeter? 
we've talked about that and the yes ish is the right answer <laughs> so yes we do have goals we do have plans to like you said horizontally expand to different genres is the way we like to classify them as and we do want to do it we have been reached out to ask for more modern buildings to even downtown skyscrapers and all kinds of little things in between um and we do plan on it and we do have the files we're just we're not there yet we're just slowly making our way through all our stl files and lines i can say maybe in about a year or two yeah we'll have like a full complete catalog with a wide diversity but we're trying our best right now <laughs> it's one it's one at a time right now okay i i just asked the reason i asked in that order is a lot of time with like social media you'll go out there and say okay we've got a world war ii line and you put it out there you'll get one like and then the next person will say that's nice but do you have this like Franco-Prussian? Exactly. Like, it's like the second you drop something, that's nice. But do you have this? And then like just way off that's... in left field. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I noticed that. I know that. I know it's, it's just a part of our hobby, right? Everybody's like, oh, that's sweet. I didn't know you can do that. Can you do this too? And it's like, ooh, that must be the same genre. <laughs> yeah. And we've, well, we've gotten that. Um, we printed out some Battletech models and we print some other things. Again, like I said, custom commissions and things like that. Um, but yeah, yeah, we've, it's, we're just slowly working our way. And that's why we decided to just run whatever our club wants, because then one will be happy with whatever we're printing. We're always going to paint it and use it. And it just kind of keeps us online. Cause then what happens when you're done printing Russia Prussian? What's next? You have to wait for the next person to make a comment. So instead of just waiting on people, we just, we have goals. <laughs> we have the site, we have the goals. And now we're just out to reach them. All right. Well, that's a good answer there. You know, we, we're coming up on our hour here and I'm I'm sure we can keep meandering and going back and forth here. So um, I'm going to give you the chance to say the last word. Anything else I missed? Anything you want to get out there that we didn't talk about? No, not right now. Um, I am that good. Yeah, we're just Look at that. Just... Clean everything. You guys are looking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're that good. You're covered. Like all the bases. I'm trying to think of anything else. Uh, no, no. I mean, because we uh, cover a lot of the stuff, right? We're just, we're fresh and we're just trying to make it out there, small business ourselves, right? Um, and we're interested in hearing what people have to say and what they're trying to do. And hopefully we can see you at our tournaments here locally, come to some of our tournaments is all I can say. Well, how about this? Where can we find your club? You've mentioned this club. Um, mm -hmm. I'm trying to get a, trying to get a trip back to San Diego, you know, Legoland and yeah. you know the zoo yeah yeah oh they got uh, sesame street now right sesame street waterland <laughs> where um how can we find your club like want to stop in see your stuff in in the wild yeah our our local club is called uh it's just it's bolt action grunts um we're located here in san diego but the easiest way to find us would be on the san diego bolt action group page on facebook um, that we communicate mostly on there. That would be just be the easiest fastest way. But uh, we we made that group up. Now it's just for San Diego County for people to play bull action. So that's going to be your quickest and fastest way in general. Okay. All right. See, so already there. I gave you the last word and started asking you more questions. So we're going to wrap this up. There. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> All right, Andrew. Well, uh, thanks for uh, having you on. Um, Love to have you on again in the future when you start making some of those uh, steps. Love seeing where people go, especially the small American-owned business, and uh, you're making the dream work there. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you very much.